praise the Lord this morning. In the midst of chaos and confusion, our anchor holds, which is Christ. Amen, church. There have been many times in ministry in which I have felt, what do we do next? Where do we go from here? And oftentimes in these moments, all you can do is pray, amen? Where do we go from here, church? We go to the, the one who is the healer, who is the author of creation, who has the answers to all these questions that are raging in our hearts and our minds and our souls. We go to the cross of Christ. We seek the Lord and his presence there. So this morning as we open the word of God, that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna seek the Lord and what he has to speak from, from us, from his word and his truth. What we see him doing in the early church in Acts. This is the power of God should give us hope and peace for whatever situation that we walk through, whatever fears that we have. We understand that the word of God speaks to us this morning in very powerful ways as we watch the early church. If you've been with us in our series, we. We watched Jesus ascend into heaven in Acts chapter one and he said to wait for the power of God to come upon his people, the Holy Spirit, whom he will send to his church, the people of God and the power and the presence of God manifests itself in tongues of fire in which are outside and then come inside of the people of God and they speak these languages all the languages of the world, confirming that the Spirit of God has now come inside of them. They declare the mighty works of God, Holy Spirit indwelling God's people. Peter gets up and declares the work of God from the word of God. He declares this Jesus whom you have crucified is the Lord. In a 15 minute sermon, 3,000 people are added to the church. And then last week we saw the power of God in his church as they love one another in the body of Christ. They devote themselves to the word of God, to one another, to prayer, and Christ-centered community. Now what we see is the, the spirit of God indwelling God's people 
In this case, it is the apostles. And they engage a broken world. Now, we don't have to look very far to see the brokenness around us. But this is what the church does. The church steps out into the world, into this broken world, and the power of the Holy Spirit engages people in need and then tells them the story of God's love for them and the reason why they're willing to give of themselves for this person in need. Our mission team designated this year for Mission OKC, which we'll be talking about these next four weeks, take the next step. And this is the next step for the church in Acts. Step one, to be spirit-filled. Step two, to hear the proclamation of the gospel, to repent and have placed their faith in Christ. Step three, get plugged into a local body of community of believers so that you can grow in Christ. Step four, to identify brokenness in the city, engage the brokenness with spirit-filled faith. And that's what Peter and John do in Acts chapter three. Let's look at it together as we turn to Acts chapter three. We see this miraculous healing of God done by his people in which they have spirit-filled faith. Acts chapter three, verse one, if you'll stand with me in the reading of God's word, we'll see what the Lord does in a miraculous way with this man who cannot walk. Acts chapter three, verse one. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man, lame from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And as he took him by the right hand and raised him up, immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. You may be seated, let's pray. Father, we are filled with amazement and wonder as we read your scriptures and the power of God. 
Father, we see what you're doing in the early church and the affirmation of your word is truth, the affirmation that Christ is Lord, the affirmation that he raised from the dead and your spirit now lives in your church, the people of God, and we thank you as we look at this that you are the one who is in control of all things. Father, you can pause the laws of nature to do miracles. And Father, this morning, we pray that you encourage our hearts as the body of Christ. We pray that we would have faith amidst trials, amidst things that you, we are walking through We pray that your name would be praised just as it was with this man and the impact that he had upon a city and a people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As a young teenager in 1967, you guys may know, some of you may know this name, Joni Erickson Tata had a major diving accident in which she broke her neck and as a result of the accident, it affected the rest of her life. She was paralyzed from her neck down. Now you can understand that as she's walking through this, In her own life, she experienced anger, depression, suicidal thoughts, and even doubts about her own faith. Trying to put the pieces of this broken world and reconciling that with an almighty God, creator of the heavens and the earth who loves her and died for her. She began a journey that led to a deep relationship with the Almighty God, one that would be a testimony of faith to thousands and thousands of people. During her occupational therapy, she learned to paint with a brush between her teeth. She began selling her artwork. She would orally dictate books. She would write over 40 books in her biography She talks about her life and how joyous it is for her to have a deep relationship with God the Father. She goes as far as to say, if this is what it took to get my attention, then I choose to think of that as the greatest blessing that God put in her life. The greatest blessing In the book, she she begins to look at what heaven will be like for her. As we all look to the future restoration and glory of God. But she looks in which she will be completely restored. And this is a quote. She says this, at the great marriage supper of the Lamb, the first thing I think I'll do on resurrected legs is fall to my glorified knees and praise the God of resurrection and healing. 
And then I'll stand and dance before him with all my might. You see, we were created to be in a world without brokenness, without pain, without sickness, without death. And when we see this miracle at the gate called beautiful, it is a confirming message that the gospel of Christ is true. Christ is making all things new and one day we will experience the joy of no more pain and suffering. That Jesus took upon himself the sins of the world so that we could be declared righteous and spend eternity in heaven with God forever. Let me ask you something about this passage. Do you think this man who's not been able to walk his whole life, do you think that he ever thought to himself, if I could just walk, then I would be happy? I mean, don't, don't we all think that in one way or another? If only my marriage could be fixed, if only I could get out of debt, if only I had that job, if only I had that amount of income, if only I had that much money, I would be happy. I know a lot of people who walk with their legs that are not happy. There are a lot of people who have lots of money and aren't happy. There's, there are people who have healthy marriages but aren't happy. You see, the truth of the matter is that we, and the Bible tells us this, that we need something more than physical healing, something more than money something more than great relationships. We need a restoration to the living God. In fact, I'll say this. Physical healing without restoration to God is worthless, potentially even harmful. Satan himself is willing to alleviate your momentary suffering in exchange for your eternal suffering. So I could say to you something similar to what Peter said. The ability to physically heal I may not always have, but such as I have, salvation in Jesus Christ, forgiveness of sin, peace, intimacy, and friendship with God, an inheritance incorruptible which can never be taken away, that I can give to you. Is that not the greatest of all gifts? This is spirit-filled faith. When we look at this story, we see Peter and John going to the temple as they normally do to pray at 3 p.m. And they see this man who's placed at the gate for people to give money for him and his family to live. He asks them for something. This time Peter and John, led by the Holy Spirit, look at this man and see him. 
Peter asked for this man to look at him. And expecting silver or gold, he received something different than anyone would think. Invoking the name of Jesus, he says, rise up and walk. And just like that, he reaches out his hand and pulls the man up. And the man walks, leaping for joy. I want you to see something in this text and in this story, verses 1 through 10, and this is, this is what I want us to see. This is point number one. Our God is the healer. Our God is the healer. Physical healing is actually seen throughout the Bible. Elisha, the prophet, is seen laying on the Shunammite's son after he's dead and he watches him come to life. We see Naaman being told to dip in the Jordan River and his leprosy goes away. This is crazy stuff that only God can do. And God establishes that he is the healer in the Old Testament. After the Israelites are leaving Egypt, after he's put these plagues on the Egyptians, the Israelites come to a place to drink water from and the water is bitter or it is bad water. And God makes the water drinkable for Israel. And this is what he says in Exodus 15, 26. He says, if you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do what is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord, your healer. Jehovah Rapha, Yahweh Rapha, the Lord, your healer. God establishes himself as the healer of his people. Jesus has a healing ministry. Matthew 4, 23 through 24, and he went through all of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease, every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria and they brought him all the sick those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures, paralytics, and he healed them. Matthew 19, 1, and now, now when Jesus had finished these sayings, he went away from Galilee, entered in the region of Judea, beyond the Jordan, and large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. Mark 6, 56, and wherever he came in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and employed him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment and as many touched it were made well. The Lord is the healer. Jesus is affirming that he has authority to forgive sins. What? When the, the man is lowered down from the roof, the paralyzed man, he tells 
the paralytic that your sins are forgiven so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He is the Lord, our healer. So why would we think that the Holy Spirit himself would also not confirm that he is the Lord, our healer, through the apostles? You see, the Lord God affirming that he is the healer. You see, Jesus the Son affirming that he is the Lord, our God, the healer. And you see the Holy Spirit in authentication as God, our healer. But not only do we see this as the authentication of God, our healer, but we also see this as a glimpse of the future restoration in which we will no longer suffer. Isaiah 11 talks about the wolf living with the lamb, the child placing his hand in the den of the cobra, and neither, they will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth is filled with the knowledge of the Lord as waters cover the sea. Isaiah 35, verses five and six talks about this. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy, for waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. This is a fulfillment we get to see a glimpse of what the future restoration, the glory will be like in which there will be no more pain or suffering. You get to see just a glimpse of the fullness of the future glory. So does that mean that everyone from now on, anyone that believes in Jesus will be healed? No, it was a sign. There was lots of people sick in Jerusalem that day. There could have been even other beggars at the gate called beautiful. And yet by the grace of God, he chose to heal this man. So when we talk about physical healing, often we can get off track pretty quickly because there are plenty of false teachings in this area. A lot of false teaching stems from faulty interpretation of scripture. A lot of that faulty interpretation of scripture stems from Isaiah chapter 53. Let me read it for you. Verse five, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And by his wounds we are healed. By his stripes we are healed. Talking about Christ, the future cross, the future atonement for sin upon the cross. Some people take this verse and they say, well, Jesus will heal every sickness or every disease as by his stripes we are healed. 1 Peter 2.24 takes that verse and gives us some context and tells us what it's about. 1 Peter 2.24, he himself, talking about Christ, bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. 
What is it talking about? The verse is talking about sin and righteousness, not sickness and disease. The promise of Christ is eternal life, not healing of diseases upon this earth. So while God is our healer, our healing may not be on this earth because we have something greater than a physical healing that is we are declared righteous by God. God can choose to heal us, but he may choose to show his glory also through our suffering as, we, as he did with Job as he did with Paul, as he does with Peter. You guys may have a lot of questions about healing. I'd love to sit down and have a conversation, but I I, I need to answer some of these questions before we continue on in the text. Does God still heal today? Yes. Simple answer is yes. There is nothing to indicate that he cannot and he will not heal. Does that mean you have to believe everything you hear from others? No, it doesn't. I'm thankful God has not placed me in a position of refereeing the validity of someone else's healing story. But we need to know that there are some who will do mighty works in the name of Jesus who he will say, depart from me, I never knew you. They will use the name of Jesus in ways in which do not glorify God. Peter in this story, he heals on demand. Obviously this is a spirit-filled moment. But we see even later in the timeline of the church, This does not happen to everyone that is sick. 2 Timothy 4, 12, Paul leaves Trophimus, his cohort, sick in Miletus. Why doesn't he just heal him? Like Peter did the man at the gate. May not have the power to heal him on the spot. So we see, obviously, this This healing is to confirm the message. Just as the Holy Spirit came in tongues of fire upon the disciples, he does not come in tongues of fire every time someone says, I believe in Christ. It is a confirmation of the presence of God among them. The Holy Spirit, the Lord, our healer, is now indwelling in the people of God. Next question. Should supernatural healings ever replace normal medical procedures? Meaning, should you just not go to the doctor and just say, well, I'm gonna trust God with my healing? The Bible never says that God does not work through medicine or doctors. Luke, the writer of Acts, is a doctor himself. He accompanies Paul as he goes on his missionary journey. When we meet someone in the hospital, it's okay to pray for God's supernatural healing. We can also pray for God to work through the doctor or the medicine to heal this person as well. 
Throughout the years, we've prayed for God to heal people. Some have had miraculous healings. We've seen that, and some the Lord has chosen not to. One of the greatest stories that I've, I've recently watched with Jordan to show that it's all about the glory of God is the movie about the, music, the musician Jeremy Camp. I don't know if you've seen this. It's about him and his wife and the journey they go to about God's miraculous healing and then taking that away. It's called I Still Believe. If you haven't seen it, you should. Sometimes God is glorified when sick people get well. We can praise the Lord for that. We want to pray with people who are sick. We want to ask the Lord. We want to lay hands upon our people. We want to ask the Lord for that. But sometimes he is glorified when sick people die well and they give glory to God even if he doesn't take their suffering away on this earth. Our God is the healer. Verse 11, we're gonna continue on here. I wanna continue the story because Peter speaks about this healing and he explains what's happening to the people. Verse 11, while he clung to Peter and John, all the people utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? Oftentimes when people perform a miracle or do something miraculous or wonderful in the name of God and through the power of the Spirit, people begin to look at them and say, wow, how wonderful they are. No, it is only through the spirit of the living God that lives inside of his church that we can accomplish anything. Verse 13, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, this is what Peter does, he reflects all glory to God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus whom you have delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him, but you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And his name by faith in his name has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. Faith in his name has made this man strong. Faith that is through Jesus has given this man perfect health. This is point number two. Miracles are confirmation for the truth that Jesus is Lord. Miracles are the confirmation for the truth that Jesus is Lord. Peter affirms that he could not do it. No matter how much piety, no matter how many good works he has, no matter how much power he has, he could not make this man walk. It is only the work of Christ. 
And guess what? It is only the faith that the Lord Jesus Christ can give himself. The story is eerily similar to Peter when Jesus is walking on the water and Peter decides that he's going to walk to Christ and he begins to sink and he cries out to Jesus, Lord, save me. Jesus reaches out his hand and he says, why did you doubt? I don't know what was going on in this man's mind when Peter says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. But when Peter reaches out his hand, the man has incredible faith to take hold and raise up. Only faith that can be given by the Lord himself. Jesus used these healings in the New Testament to confirm that the kingdom of God is at hand. The Spirit also confirms the message about Christ through these healings. Hebrews 2, 3, and 4. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Hebrews 2, 3, and 4 says this. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord and it was attested to us by those who heard. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit to distributed according to his will. The Holy Spirit is attesting to Christ as not only the healer, but the author of salvation, the author of life. Jesus is Lord. That's what the Spirit is attesting to. He is confirming. That is what the Spirit does. He affirms Christ as Lord. So at the time of when we did not have the New Testament to confirm the message of Christ through the Word of God, God confirmed the apostles' teaching through miracles, through the Holy Spirit. You see, this physical sickness of this man is no different than us. The physical sickness points us to the condition of mankind, the condition of our hearts. Some people are physically blind, yet Paul talks about, in 2 Corinthians, he talks about us being spiritually blinded. The brokenness of our world, specifically sickness and disease, points us to our need for the healer. Yet as we said earlier, the healing that we truly need is spiritual salvation. Restoration of this man's body and his ability to walk is representative of this man's salvation. Look at verse 16, and his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know, and the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. He becomes a disciple of Christ. Not only does he have his ability to walk. As bad as suffering is, there's something worse being crippled by our sin. 
as great as physical healing is, there's something greater, which is our salvation. God puts that on display here. Verse 17, and now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance as did also your rulers, but what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn again, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. This is our last point this morning. It says this. God uses transformation as a testimony of the power of the gospel. God uses transformation as a testimony of the power of the gospel. You see it here. All these people are gathered here. This man is restored back to health and gives Peter an opportunity to declare the truth of the gospel that Christ died for sins and sinners. Therefore, repent. You see, when we look at the the man on the side of the road, we see someone. But oftentimes we don't see our own spiritual condition. But the reality of this passage is that we are truly no different than this man. We are desperate need of God, our healer, to restore the sickness and disease in which we call sin and to make us righteous. People are drawn to transformation. Peter implores the people to repent, to turn to Christ because of this man's testimony of the grace of God in his life. It is the same today within God's church. A drug addict or an alcoholic who is clean and sober can testify to the transforming work of the gospel. An adulterous marriage that is now restored can testify to the transforming work of the power of the gospel. A greedy person, now a giver of wealth, can testify to the transformational work of the power of the gospel. A rebellious child, now humbling themselves, can testify to the transformational work of the gospel. A selfish individual now giving of their time to other people can testify to the transformational work of the power of the gospel. A prideful man or woman now shows humility, can testify, and a sick person made well can also testify. 
God can choose any area of one's life to transform their life by the grace of God through the power of the Holy Spirit as a testimony to the gospel message. Often, when God does a miraculous work in and through the life of individuals, when they are completely yielded, they're filled with the Holy Spirit, they're able to do the works of God in the lives of others. Often, there is a price to pay. What we see next, as a result of this man's healing is that Peter and John are thrown into prison. It's so different from what we see on the television in the movies. People that are given this power, they're invincible, indestructible. And yet often when God does miraculous works through individuals, that individual suffers. What happened when Jesus resurrected Lazarus from the dead, performing the miracle in front of the people? John eleven fifty three says, so from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. When the woman touches Jesus' robe, she wants to be healed from her bleeding. It says the power came out from him. This is no different than the church today. Often when we see movements of God, we see incredible sacrifices on the part of people. Giving of themselves financially giving them themselves of their time, their own emotional capital to share the love of Christ with others. They're deeply moved by the Spirit of God to empty themselves, to die to self, to deny themselves, take up their cross and follow Christ. They give themselves to others in a powerful way and only which the Spirit can work inside of them. This is the gospel, my friends. Where Jesus is willing to give up his life for us. To come down from heaven to earth, to be born as a baby, to humble himself as a servant, not just any servant, to humble himself as one who would be willing to die on a cross for you and for me for our sin, to take the punishment and suffering and the humiliation of our sins upon himself so that we could have life. So church, when we engage brokenness in our world, we ought to see the gospel 
inside of us, engaging people that are broken, filling needs, loving them, doing things that are completely unexpected. Why? Because the spirit of the living God lives inside of you, his church. And he wants to accomplish things that we could never imagine or think about. We're gonna celebrate 90 years at the end of October. Hopefully our place over here will be completely finished. We celebrated 90 years early in the year, but we got kind of caught up in the not being able to meet and all of these things. Something called the coronavirus, not sure what that is. But God has certainly done miracles and works through his church here. They're mighty and magnificent. And I know that he will continue to do those things through his people. And I'm excited to see what the Lord has in store for his church, the people of God in the future. And I know that he will give us spirit-filled faith that we cannot do it, but only through the power of the living God will he be able to accomplish all that he desires. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. We thank you that you are our God who is the healer, Yahweh Rapha, the Lord, your healer. We thank you that you have given us a new life through the power of your spirit. Father, we thank you for the transformation of many people in this room that do not live according to their former ways, but are filled with the spirit of the living God and live according to your will and your way. We know that we are imperfect people, yet we trust in your perfect gospel of Christ and the perfect Christ who has laid down his life for us. We pray that we would be able to lay down our lives for others that we see, that we may love them, not based upon what they do in return, but based upon the love that we have for Christ. Father, we know that this world is broken. We see it every single day. We know that there is suffering, there is sickness, there is pain. And yet we have faith, Father, that you are working in the midst of all of these things, that you are building your church, that you are guiding and directing people, that you are calling people to stop in their tracks and turn and look at someone else to see them as you see them, created in the image of God, needing of the hope of eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. May you encourage us as we go. Help us, Lord. 
Jesus' name we pray. Amen.